Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. The State of Recruiting is brought to you by 24-7 Sports and the Horns 24-7 Network of Podcasts. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on the podcast platform of your choice. We also invite you to listen to the other great shows on the Horns 24-7 Network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Thanks for listening. Now on to the show. Welcome into uh, this historic edition of the State of Recruiting. Uh, our first YouTube show, so you could see our faces. Nick and I are both camera ready. Got my hair done today just for the occasion. Not really, but um, thank you guys for joining us. We're going to have a big show. We're going to talk uh, about a couple of things. Texas getting a big commitment, um, and then kind of what the picture of the rest of this class, and uh, particularly at the wide receiver position, looks like. Uh, but before we get into all that, Nick, how's it going, and uh, how do you feel to be uh, live on camera here? Uh, it's going good. I did not get my hair done, as you can see, but you know, I'm just maybe I'm just naturally pretty. Maybe that's it. Yeah, um, you know, it's uh, you, well, you, your your history is as an on camera guy. You that's that. true. That's true. So um, let's jump right into it. It's been a, a really big uh, week for Texas. Um, and actually, I'll pull back the curtain just a little bit. We're recording this on Tuesday. The show is dropping on Friday, but on Wednesday, uh, Texas getting a commit from Brennan Thompson, the four-star uh, from Spearman, Texas. Nick, I wrote uh, in Mike at Night today as we're recording this that nobody has burned up the road from DFW to Spearman more than you. Um, in the last, uh, I guess, year or so, you've really put the work in this recruitment. You were all over the story. Take it away. Tell us how it unfolded and, and how kind of everything went down. Yeah, absolutely. Um, last spring, we'll, we'll go back to, I, I believe it was right when the pandemic had started back in 2020. Uh, Brennan Thompson, his, uh, his recruitment took off. Um, and it was based off of his track times that he got early in that track season before the pandemic shut down everything. And you pair that with his film where he's showing, you know, electric deep, uh, deep threat ability. Um, and he's doing all sorts of things that he was at that time doing all sorts of things on both sides of the ball. That was intriguing to coaches, but obviously, you know, as, as time progressed, he, he projected to more as a wide receiver, uh, Texas came into the picture pretty early, uh, under the Tom Herman staff. And, uh, you know, the family was really accepting to Tom Herman, really liked what, you know, that staff brought to the table. And, you know, that staff had a really good chance with Brennan Thompson off the bat. Um, there's a lot of Texas ties in Spearman, um, uh, along with Oklahoma State ties that we'll get into a little bit later. Um, a lot of Texas ties in Spearman and in his family as well. Um, and, and, you know, that definitely played a role uh, as, as time went on. And we'll jump to when Herman was fired, Sarkeesian was hired. And within the first few days, the Sarkeesian staff reached back out to Brendan Thompson, let him know that, you know, he was a priority for them. And uh, it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, Steve Sarkeesian is prioritizing spe uh, speed threats and, and deep ball threats, um, especially at the wide receiver position. And Brendan Thompson perfectly fits that. 
Um, and they made him, you know, one of their biggest priorities, uh, not only at the wide receiver position, but, you know, in the offense as a whole, um, you know, got him on campus multiple times uh, over the course of the last six months. Uh, his first trip to campus actually came in May for the state track meet. And, uh, you know, at that time, the, the COVID uh, pandemic prevented him from, you know, meeting coaches or seeing everything in depth at that time. But he really liked what he saw, you know, around uh, the track facility uh, and the football facility at that time. Uh, jumped to June when he was able to make an unofficial visit to, uh, to Texas um, uh, to see everything with the commit class and the rest of the uh, – uh, apologies, you hear my dog in the background. He doesn't normally bark. Uh, but anyway, he knows camera. That's what it he is. Knows on camera. He, he never barks before that. This is probably the first podcast we've had. Uh, he's a big Brennan Thompson fan too. But uh, anyway, uh, jumped to June whenever he was able to make it to campus for an unofficial visit. Uh, and he was able to meet a lot of the commit class and uh, build relationships with those guys, guys like Malik Murphy, uh, Brian Allen. Um, and uh, later in the process, Derek Brown w was somebody that was, you know, really uh, um, it, he was really important in helping secure uh, Thompson towards Texas as far as from the commit class. Um, and, uh, you know, he really liked what he saw from Austin and from the program. But he had one big question coming out of that unofficial visit. And it was me, Brennan Thompson, coming from a small town like Spearman. Would I be able to transition to a big city like Austin effectively? Uh, and, you know, that was a big question that they had uh, after they released their top three of Texas, Oklahoma State and Texas A&M. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State and Texas A&M obviously were able to provide, you know, those small town like atmospheres. And Texas wasn't really able to. Uh, but that was until he got on his official visit uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually, in mid-September for the Rice game. And at halftime of the Rice game, uh, you know, Texas set up a meeting with uh, former All-American Jordan Shipley, who came from a small town himself. And uh, he was able to relate to Thompson and show him, you know, what things he can do on the weekends aside from, you know, it, it, Thompson is not your normal kid. He's not going to be playing video games, watching Netflix or even watching football on the weekends. He's going out and shooting cans and, and hunting or fishing. And, you know, Jordan Shipley was really able to relate to that and, um, you know, show him some experiences that he had while he was in Austin, along with Colt McCoy and some others. Uh, you know, the, the family really hit home for them. And they left that official visit with zero questions. And obviously that was proven with his commitment this week. So much so that he didn't even take his last visit to Texas A&M this weekend for the Alabama game. So, you know, this is a big ad for Texas and Steve Sarkeesian. It's their highest rated commit at this time, at this point in time. Um, and I, I think he's going to be a, a big part of recruiting uh, moving forward. I think he's going to be very vocal in getting some more guys on, on the in the class. But we'll see as time goes on. You know, it's funny, Nick, if you go back in your timeline, remember when Texas had pivoted after Quinn Ewers decommitted and it looked like they were kind of all in on Kate Klubnik. There was a lot of chatter behind the scenes that that Cade and Brennan were talking about maybe hooking up in Austin at one point. Um, so, you know, I think that's kind of where the Clemson buzz came from a little bit as those two had had, uh, you know, forged a friendship. But, uh, you know, for Texas to get this done, I think that they've hung around in this recruitment when there were times that I thought maybe they would fall out of it. And um you know, they, they closed really strong. I think that this is uh, when you look at the way they came down the stretch on it, I think that everything worked out perfectly for them. And to add to it, and we're, I'll, I'll throw it back to you here in a second, because you're the only guy that's seen him play live, I think, again, in any market. So um, you can you can speak to this. But, you know, when you see him on film, obviously, he's a small school guy. Um, he is just killing the competition with elite speed, uh, but that speed is elite on any level. And so I think for him, there is going to be a bit of an adjustment to the college level just when it comes to competition and speed of the game. But when you can run the way that that kid runs, you can find your way onto the field quickly. And, uh, you know, I, I 
those kids are, are the ones that you just get them the ball and let them make plays in space. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think he'll have any issues doing that once he gets acclimated with the offense and everything. I will say he's not going to be an early enrollee. He wants to uh, participate in his senior track season, which he should. He has you know, the potential to break a lot of records next spring, especially being fully healthy uh, now that he has all of his uh, lower ankle issues figured out. And um, you know he's on the road to recovery there, uh, which quick side note, he, he'll, he won't be playing the rest of his senior season, most likely, unless he gets cleared at some point while Spearman is still in the playoffs. But he will be 100% for his track season and, and uh, will be 100% for when he enrolls next summer. Um, so we'll see how, how long it takes for him to uh, you know, get active acclimated to a college system and a college offense, especially, you know, a, a very in-depth one like the Steve Sarkeesian offense. Um, but, you know, he's a really smart kid, um, comes from a really smart family with, you know, really great background. You know, I, I think it won't take him long to pick it up uh, at all. And I think he could definitely get on the field next year. As far as starting next year, I'm not sure, but he'll definitely get some opportunities early in his uh, playing career. And then I think, you know, second, third year, we'll really start to see the full potential, full potential of Brennan Thompson, you know, what he can bring to the offense. But like you said, that speed, it works at all levels. And, um, you know, I think it will definitely work at the college level too. Yep. So uh, adding him, I think you've seen what Xavier Worthy has been able to do getting into this offense early this year and, and adding that speed dynamic. And, um, you know, Texas isn't done. They want to add more at the receiver position. And so, you know, what does it look like now going forward? I think that um, I think that the number is three or four, and that kind of depends on who the fourth guy would be. Uh, so Texas has two with Armani Winfield and Brendan Thompson now included. And so, I mean, obviously, all eyes are on Evan Stewart, the five-star receiver from Frisco Liberty, another absolute speed demon, a freak, probably a bit more polished as a wide receiver, uh, but another guy that could be an instant contributor uh, for Texas. I think that that's the goal, right, is to land Evan Stewart. Outside of him, you know, Kevin Coleman's in the picture. Uh, Jordan Hudson is in and out of the picture, depending on the week. Um, Shaz Preston very much in the picture. But Texas, if they could close strong w with Evan Stewart and a three-man class of Stewart, Thompson, and, uh, and, and Winfield, gives you a really strong wide receiver group, especially considering what they came out of last year. Yeah, I agree. And all three of those guys coming from the, uh, the state of Texas after last year, not getting one receiver from the state of Texas, that's gonna, that's a big factor in itself. And I have a piece up on, on Horns 24-7 kind of talking about the, the, the look of getting small town kids. Uh, feel free to go back and look at that. I think it's a pretty cool, you know, uh, um, perception of, you know, how Texas is recruiting right now as far as small town kids and, you know, metro area kids. But uh, that's aside from the fact. But Having, yeah, like you said, a receiver class of Stewart, Thompson, and, and Winfield, I think that's almost an ideal class right there. I, I think if you told Steve Sarkeesian on day one that that, that was the receiver class he was going to have, then he would have been uh, you know very happy and, and very acceptable of that. Um, if they miss on uh, Evan Stewart, you know, um, like you said, Jordan Hudson, Chaz Preston, those are also possibilities. If they miss on all three of those, and you kind of look at contingency guys like Jordan Neighbors, um, maybe Texas gets involved with Matthew Golden, the TCU commit out of Klein Kane. Um, there's a lot of different options for receivers in the state of Texas in 2022. I think that's, uh, you know, definitely a, a good problem to have, but a problem you don't want to have at the end of the day. I think if you can get Evan Stewart, then you definitely take him 100%. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's kind of the class we've been talking about since the very beginning is, is that Stewart Thompson Winfield. I think that, um, you know, when you look at, at that group, that kind of gives you a little bit of everything. And I think, you know, I mean, it remains to be seen for Shaz Preston. Obviously, getting a kid out of Louisiana is tougher um, than than just about anything in the world, especially when Alabama and Georgia are also involved. 
But, you know, Preston has said a lot that he bonded with Evan Stewart quite a bit um, on the visit and is friends with him. So I think getting Stewart would help with that as well. So, you know, we'll just kind of see how it all plays out. But um, I think that this is a position for fans that has been a question mark for a while. And I think getting uh, Thompson kind of, you know, lowers the pressure a little bit. And, and now you're looking to close that class strong. All right, Nick, um, let's move right along. We're going to, uh, we've, we've got the best week of college football every year ahead of us here today. Uh, tomorrow, the Cotton Bowl, 11 a.m., Texas and OU uh, in the annual Red River shootout. I like to call it the shootout. When I write, I call it the whatever they call it, uh, just to be proper. But um, I, I personally like to call it the shootout. And uh, we've got a massive list of visitors, um, visitors that we're still putting together um, over at Horns 24-7. But we've got a big list of visitors uh, that I think are going to, uh, to, to be able to see if Texas can pull off this win. I think that for, for them, you know, it's a lot about – Hey, we beat Tech by 70. We, um, you know, we, we were able to go win a tough one on the road against TCU. But this could really cement the recruiting effort for Texas if they go into Dallas and get that big win over Oklahoma that they're, they're searching for each and every year. And it rolls them right into what is looking to be a massive week the following week in Austin uh, when Oklahoma State comes into town. So when you look at our visitor list, and again, we've got that up at Horns 24-7, what do you, what do you see there that jumps out at you? Uh, five-star talent. I mean, well, let's start with the three right off the bat, Devon Campbell, Evan Stewart, and Jacoby Matthews. Um, starting with Campbell, you know, getting him to as many Texas games as possible this fall is obviously going to be, you know, really important. Texas has a lead in that recruitment, but, you know, he hasn't committed yet. And there's a ton of schools that are, you know, vying for his commitment, such as Alabama, USC, uh, Oklahoma, and some others. I mean, that's, that's going to be a heavyweight battle at the end of the day, even if Texas does hold the lead. So, you know, bringing him into the, uh, bringing him into the Cotton Bowl on Saturday against, you know, one of the teams that he's considering and uh, coming out with a win would be huge in his recruitment and, and possibly solidifying the deal. Uh, Jacoby Matthews, uh, that's, that's the one that really intrigued me when I first saw it, when you first reported it, Mike, um, uh, Jacoby Matthews, this will be his first time seeing a Texas game, um, I think at all. I don't think he came to any last season. Um, and coming in for a rivalry game, uh, you know, like Texas OU, if the if Texas can pull out a win, that, that's going to be huge in his recruitment. You know, following his decommitment from LSU, uh, you know, all the signs are pointing towards Texas A&M. And, uh, you know, that's another one. He hasn't committed yet, and Texas A&M hasn't looked really uh, that strong since. Um, and so if Saturday turns out with Texas beating OU and, you know, Bama handling – AM like everyone expects they will, then you know that could that could uh, tell a lot about the Jacoby Matthews recruitment and possibly where that could lean. Um, and then Evan Stewart getting him in for this game is huge. Um, you know, showing him that you know Texas can uh, um, can get to get the ball to deep deep ball threats like Xavier Worthy or even Jordan Whittington. Um, you know, I think that would help a lot in his recruitment. And uh, he's been kind of vocal in the past about how he's not the hugest fan of OU. So, um, you know, uh, beating OU, I think, would also help in his recruitment. Yeah, Evan's got a <laughs> – I just – I laugh in my head thinking about asking Evan about Oklahoma. He's got a different type of answer for the Sooners <laughs> uh, than just about anybody else. So you've nailed it. I mean, that's the headline is the five-star talent. And I wrote, I wrote, you know, tweeted earlier this week um, that – the buzz for this game from a recruiting standpoint is the strongest I can remember it in a while. Even 2018, when Texas won that game 48 to 45, 
I, I'm trying to like rack my brain to think back to who was at, at that visit. It was a good group for sure, but like I, I've had high school coaches blowing my phone up today, thinking, saying, "Hey, how do we get our kids to this game? How do we get to this game? Who do we need to contact?" Even recruits that have Texas offers are like, "We hope we can get on the list." I mean, there's a lot of people trying to get that ticket. So what I look at when I, when I look at this list is the underclassmen talent. Um, that's probably number two in secondary. And when you look at getting guys like Jonte Cook. Um, who uh, I think will also have an interesting answer about Oklahoma if you ask him, uh, based on what I've heard lately. Uh, JV and Taviano, the the top corner out of Arlington Martin, that's big for Texas because Taviano, you know, a lot of buzz with Taviano leaning towards Oklahoma at this point. If Texas could go out there and put on a big performance, maybe you sway that and, and kind of push that back towards Texas where it was at the beginning. Malik Muhammad from South Oak Cliff, um, DJ Hicks from Allen, uh, Anthony, uh, Anthony, uh, James from, uh, from Denton Ryan is supposed to be there. Or, I'm sorry. From, uh, I got him confused. Anthony James from Wiley East will be at Texas next week. Anthony, uh, Jones, uh, not Anthony Jones, Anthony Hill. Good Lord. Mike. There's too many Anthony's. Uh, uh, yeah. A lot of Anthony's <laughs> Anthony Hill from Denton Ryan will be at the game as well. Um, so yeah, I think that, uh, when you look at this list and, and remember again, pull back the curtain. We're doing this on Tuesday, even though it's coming out Friday. It's Tuesday. We don't have the full list yet. I mean, there are going to be names added to this list throughout the week, but what we've got so far is a star study group. And I think what we could do, Nick, is even look ahead further and say, what does that Oklahoma State weekend look like? Um, especially if they win this game, because that Oklahoma State weekend, a lot of these guys are coming back. They've told me, you know, we're going to the OU game, and then we're going to come down for the Oklahoma State game. That's kind of been the, the mantra. When you add in names like Ruben, uh, Ruben Owens and uh, Arch Manning and, and other guys who are coming to that game, man, if Texas can win these next two, what a massive jump that might be for their 22 and 23 class. Yeah, you beat me to it. These next two games, if Texas can pull out victories against um, potentially two top ten opponents, uh, I, that's going to be huge in determining, you know, the success, the early success that Steve Sarkeesian will have at Texas. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of recruits in for this next couple of weeks. And you mentioned it earlier this week on the site that the Oklahoma State game, um, the visitor list rivals what you saw uh, when LSU came to town a couple of years back. You know, so that, that's a that's a big time list, big time deal, especially with guys like Arch Manning and Ruben Owens coming to town. If you can pull off two W's, man, it might get fun from here on out. Super fun. So, I mean, that's kind of the challenge. I, you know, we don't really do the team stuff. We don't get into the game picks on this. This is a recruiting podcast, but I, I mean, I kind of, I, I always feel, I still don't feel like I know this team. Like I know what they're going to do on any given week, but I do feel like they go, they go into the games following kind of the lead of their head coach. And if you look at it in in contrast with Tom Herman, who has always seemed really tight going into those type of games, played very well during big most a lot of big games, but everything was always tight on these weeks. It it feels really loose early in the week for a Texas OU week. I I, I don't know. I I think that they have kind of the right mix of just uh, the way their heads are at. They always stay kind of level. Uh, to go out there and, and beat an Oklahoma team that's kind of been trying to find themselves as well. They're still a very talented team, still a team that's going to pose a lot of challenges. But, man, if they can do that, I think confidence might be at an all-time high going into next week. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a, I think there's a lot of questions on both sides of the ball that recruits definitely want to see answered. 
Um, you, you know, we've mentioned the offensive line play many times this season, but and we've also mentioned if you know good play or bad play on the offensive line would be good or bad towards recruits. And you know, I think it's on a case by case basis. But you know, if Texas can show uh, that they can you know put a really strong effort against a really strong uh, Oklahoma defensive line on Saturday, I think that also helps with guys like Devon Campbell because they know how that Texas off, uh, offensive line has been playing this season, and if they can show steady improvements as the season goes on. That kind of speaks to Kyle Flood's ability to develop, and you know, especially against a defensive line like Oklahoma's got. That's been probably their only position group where you can't find any negatives throughout the season. So, um, you know, position by position stuff, I think is going to be a lot of fun to, to, to decipher next week. And we'll, we'll have a lot more to discuss next week after the game. Just to cap it off, I'm, I'm, as we're going there, I was through something, came across the tweet of one Riley Dodge head coach, Southlake Carroll. And uh, just to mix in the high school aspect of it, he had a uh, picture with him and his dad from way back in the day and said, you know what week it is, horns up. So uh, Riley Dodge of the South Lake Carroll Dragons, of course, the son of, of former Longhorn Todd Dodge. And Riley, a former Longhorn commit himself, um, is uh, squarely behind Texas in this one. All right. We're going to go to break here uh, real quick for you listening on the podcast and bring in uh, our guest, Guy Frazier, to pick games. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the great Guy Frazier. He is in the all gas, no brakes hat. And welcome to the future. Welcome to the video podcast, Guy. Uh, You are now on YouTube. You uh, took a lot of uh, care to pick your hat out. I saw there were tweets, and our friends over at Last Stand Hats certainly weighed in. It looks like they won out with your pick there. Um, So welcome to the show. Welcome to YouTube. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, the poll actually had the white Texas script tab, but I thought, well, when Last Stand backs you like that, you got to roll with the home team. So I decided to go with the all-grass, no-breaks hat, and hopefully we see that on Saturday this week. Now, is that the hat that you bought outside of the Louisiana game when we were walking down? Uh, yeah, oh. so Nick and I went for a little scooter ride, free La La game, and a uh, little Last Stand booth was sitting right there, and I thought, man, that's a sharp-looking lid. Uh, and then I found out today was actually a game day only hat that they sold there outside the stadium, so I guess I picked a good one. Well, if for those of you who maybe you're just joining us for the first time on – uh, YouTube, and this is your first experience with the State of Recruiting podcast. Each and every week during the season, we pick high school games. And uh, Guy Frazier, uh, who who does a lot of work for for DCTF, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, he does work for us. 
half the time he's out there with me or Nick at, at a game just because uh, he's a good pal of ours. And uh, he's he's a Texas high school football encyclopedia. So we brought him into the show. He's now going to be a regular during the season. I think last week was our first week to do it. Um, and he's going to pick uh, – four or is it five do we do five five high school games uh four four big school and one small school um nick do you have you done the homework before the show do you have the records i did not but i do know mike is ahead (laughs) we'll take it um (laughs) so we pick those games each and every week guy is going to pick those games because and, and the origin of that is that um nick used to pick the games and uh he was often stacking them to teams he had seen and I had not. So uh, we had to bring in an objective third party and a guy who I found out was behind the scenes pretty much giving Nick the picks anyway. So we might as well introduce him. Um, one of the more colorful personalities in the Texas high school football world. Uh, so, Guy, what have you got for us this week? Yeah, so we're going to try to be a little more organized this time around. You know, our first run a couple weeks ago was kind of last second. Um, yes. We're going to have four big games or big school games and then one quote-unquote small school game. Uh, I'm going to go through the little details of the game and then hand it off to y'all, and then I'll finish up with my pick as well. So, um, And remember, um, we do have one game that you get to pick that is eligible for a double down, so we yes. can double to kind of make up points if we feel like it. And so I actually got burned on that. So I went four and two our first week, and I doubled down and lost. So it can be beneficial, but it can also hurt you. So um, I guess without further ado, we'll, we'll jump to game one. Um, so the first game is at Go for Warrior Bowl, 7 p.m. Friday night. They're off of I-30. Uh, as the South Grand Prairie Warriors, who are four and two, uh, take on their crosstown rival, and who's actually the designated home team, the Grand Prairie Gophers, who are three and three. Uh, quick little game note, the, go- the Gophers have not won um, a game in this series since 2009. Uh, so SGP has pretty much dominated. Uh, and that's something I, I guess as three local guys here in DFW area, we could probably guess. Uh, but I had not realized I'd been 12 years. So, uh, Mike, I'll let you pick first. Yeah, I would have told you that streak was longer had you just asked me, like, hey, when's the last time you think, Grim? I would have – I might not have bet it had happened in this millennium. Um, because Grand Prairie has been such a down program in South Grand Prairie, usually pretty strong for an Irving guy like me. I grew up right down the street from, and I only call it the Gopher Bowl. I only recognize it as the Gopher Bowl. Um, look, I've got uh, I've got skin in the game here. I've got a lot of friends on that South Grand Prairie staff. Uh, my best friend, who was a groomsman at my wedding, coaches the secondary for them. Laban Delay, who's their head coach, has is, is become a good friend of mine. Mike Copeland, their DC, uh, is a guy uh, we hung out with at coaching school. Um, Cam Sanders, their OC, is another guy we hung out with at coaching school. So I have a lot of favoritism to South Grand Prairie. I couldn't pick them last week in good faith going up against a really tough Arlington Martin team. I'm going to pick them this week. They extend the streak, I think, probably fairly easily. I'll take South Grand Prairie. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike. Um, you know, Grand Prairie does have Savion Red, who is kind of like a, a do-it-all, what, what can you do this week type guy for, for Grand Prairie. He's going to be taking his talents to SMU next year, and, you know, I really like what he brings to the table. But I think South Grand Prairie has a lot more uh, to bring to the table, and I think they extend the streak as well. I'm taking SGP. Okay, and then I'll, I'll wrap it up here. Um, I partly served this one up for Mike just because he had spoke so highly of Dwight Nanu and Darius Carmooch earlier in the year. Uh, prior to the season, uh, but then I also came across a kid a couple years ago or a couple weeks ago from Grand Prairie 
and Adrian Wilson, who's a 2023 DB. Our good friend Zach Collins spoke highly of him uh, when his Mesquite Skeeters took them on a couple weeks ago. It's a rangy DB that was covering a lot of ground and was a sure tackler, according to his uh, eyes. So, you know, GP's building something. With that said, I, I still think SGP uh, has the streak here. You never go against a streak like that, so I'm going to roll with the Warriors as well. Uh, moving on to game number two. This is a Nick Harris County game. So much it hurts. Uh, we got the number six team in 6A with Umble Atascacita, who's 5-1, and one, taking on the Umble Summer Creek Bulldogs, who are 4-1. and one. Game 7 p.m. Friday at Turner Stadium there in Umble. Um, quick game, though. They are six-point favorites. Atascacita is. It's a little bit of another prove-it game for Summer Creek. They had one last week against C.E. King, and they fell quite short, 35-10. to 10. Uh, so another opportunity for Summer Creek. I'll serve it up to you, Mike. What do you think? Yeah, I think that those are two very different records, right? Like Atascacita, their losses to Geyer, um, who may be the best team in the state at their level. And um, Summer Creek, while, while a strong record, doesn't have that type of resume. I've seen Atascacita this year. They're dangerous, um, not only on the offensive line, they've got playmakers. The quarterback, Gavin Session, is, is a really good player. Chase Soul has kind of been a breakout guy at wide receiver, and they've got a really nasty defense. Uh, Summer Creek, I saw them in the spring, got some guys, obviously Kelvin Banks, the five-star offensive tackle. I just don't think they have the skill talent to hang with the Tascacita. I'll take uh, the Eagles rolling big. Yeah, if you're a fan of offensive line play, this is uh, this is your game. You, you better be at this one at Turner Stadium on Friday night with uh, Kelvin Banks, the five-star Oregon commit, and Cam Dewberry, uh, the massive four-star offensive tackle who is uh, who has Texas in his final grouping and will most likely be taking an official visit here in the fall. Um, you know, that's definitely going to be one we're going to be keeping an eye on. Uh, I'm going to roll with the Tascacita. Um, you know, if this was Summer Creek and maybe another team in that district, uh, you know, I might lean towards picking the Bulldogs. You know, I think they match up a little bit better against maybe North Shore or Westbrook. Um, but I'm going to have to take a Tascacita. They've just been too strong against you know, really good opponents throughout the year. I think they're more battle-tested as well, so I'm going with the Eagles as well. Fair enough. So I'm eventually going to say the same thing. Um, I think Summer Creek has beat the teams they should beat, but in these prove-it games, I'm not sure how that's really going to go over the course of the season. One thing that's kind of a common thing with uh, Houston area schools and districts this year is there's not much of a balance between the top and the bottom of the districts. Um, so I think Summer Creek probably falls somewhere in the middle of the pack for that district down in Houston, whereas Atascacita is firmly at the top with North Shore and C.E. King. Uh, so I think there is a little bit of a gap despite the record, so I'm going to roll with Atascacita as well and go with the Eagles. All right, moving on to game number three. This is a little bit of a, a home game for myself. I uh, usually don't want to pick games like this, but it was too good of a one to pass up. So we're going to go to 7.30 p.m. Friday night at Highlander Stadium, just right down the street from the Frazier residence as the number four Longview Lobos, who are 5-1, and one, travel to take on the number three team in the state, the Highland Park Scots, who are 4-1. Uh, quick little game note, Highland Park is 113-2 and two at Highlander since 1998. Um, that's a big streak to go against, but I think the Lobos are one of the more, you know, talented teams to come in and try to break that up. Uh, Michael, I'll give it up to you as you rub your hands a little bit. I'm going to get my Lee Corso on here. All right. I, I look at this game and I have to like put it in my head that 
I can't pick this game purely to mess with Guy, um, which I'd like to do. For those who don't know, Guy is a Highland Park grad and a, a big big supporter of the Scotties. Um, Longview, I, I bet on them once this year to pick them, and it was against uh, it was against Ryan to start the year. They didn't come close. I think this could be redemption week for for Longview, who's they they tend to play a little harder as the season goes along. They kind of they're like an old Oldsmobile, you know. You kind of got to get them started, and but once they get going, they're running. You know what I mean? They come into Highlander very physical, can run the ball. I think that if you look at Highland Park as what they've had to previous years, it's going to be tough for them to to figure out a way to win. But guy, what do Scots do? They find a way, baby. Scots find a way. Give me the Highland Park uh, Scotties to take this one at home. Lobos by 50. No, I'm playing. Um, <laughs> you know, Highland Park, they've uh, they've been really strong throughout the year, even though they've uh, they've dropped a game so far, and they've looked a little suspect in other games. But, you know, they're, they're kind of like Longview in the same sense that, you know, as the season goes on, they continuously get better. You know, that's the, the Randy Allen method. And, you know, Randy Allen and John King are going to have both of these teams ready to play on Friday night. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it might be closer than, you know, some expect. Um, but I also do have uh, have Highland Park pulling this one out. I think the Highland Park defensive line will be the difference in this game. I, I you know, didn't Ryan's defensive line gave Longview a lot of issues in that opening game. And, uh, you know, Highland Park has some really nasty dogs on that defensive line led by Jack Curtis and some others. So I think uh, I think the Scots win behind their defensive line. Fair enough. I like those picks. Uh, I agree with them. Uh, this will be the third time I've seen Longview this year. Actually, the second time in a matter of two or three weeks. Uh, one thing I, I've picked up on with Longview is uh, they need to clean up a couple things. Penalties and turning the ball over seem to be a little bit of a common tendency with them this year. Uh, I think they have 15 sophomores on varsity uh, this season, which I heard earlier today is the most that John King has ever had on a squad in his entire coaching career, no matter where he's been, not just Longview. Uh, so it's a really talented group. They're just young. Uh, HP has some of the similar issues with age, but they're starting to find their stride, and they've got enough, I think, maturity with uh, guys like Jack Curtis and George Wright on defense, and uh, John or Jack or Johnny Rutledge on offense um, to really kind of even that out a little bit. I think Brendan Storr is going to have to play really strong on Friday against a really good and active Longview defense. Uh, but with that said, I do think Highland Park will hold off Longview. And I think it will be closer than probably think uh, people think at Highlander uh, with the Scotties cause. But uh, either way, that's a big streak to go against. I think it's a little bit too much for Longview, so I'm going to go with the Scots as well. Uh, our last big school game is actually, I think, one that uh, Nick might be at, if I'm not mistaken, which is Little Elm, who's 5-1, and one, taking on Allen, who's 4-1. Uh, the game is 7 p.m. Friday at Nick's old stomping grounds, Allen Eagle Stadium. Uh, Mike, I'll let you take that one. I'm actually shocked here. We're kind of in lockstep on all of our picks. I would have bet Nick would have gone with Longview because – but you never know with Nick. You know, he's got East Texas ties. He's got Houston ties. He's got the city of Rockwall covered. Nick is basically – you know, he's in a win-win situation week in and week out on, on the field. So, um I this is actually you know any other year looking at this game I think it's easy to just be like it's Allen right and I think that if you look at what Allen has done this year they've had some uneven performances you know there were you guys saw him against Tyler Legacy which I think they won that game comfortably but there were certainly times just following your coverage 
that it looked like they were kind of playing around and, and in jeopardy with it, with a team that frankly they shouldn't have been. And I, I've seen, I saw them against Tascasita and their, their one loss of the season. So um, I, I don't think that it's a slam dunk for Allen, but I'm going to pick Allen. I've got uh, Eagle stadium, though the, the mystique was broken this year by uh, Tascasita still is a, a formidable place to play. It's a very intimidating place for, for visitors to play. And while Little Elm does have some talent, specifically at the defensive back position where they have Terrence Brooks, the four-star Ohio State commit, and, um, uh, oh, I'm forgetting his name. He's committed to uh, to Colorado, um, playing on the other corner. Uh, Keyshawn Mills? Yeah, Keyshawn Mills, sorry. And um, I think that while they do have that talent, they might, they might not have enough to skill position wise, uh, to be able to roll over Allen. I like the Eagles in a, probably a game that I think will be one at the line of scrimmage. And I think that that's where they have their advantage. Yeah. I think there's going to be a lot of points in this one. I think this is uh, this is lining up to be a 56 to 42 type game. And I think Allen comes out on top. I think they kind of play around in the first half. They play with their food a bit, kind of like how they have been throughout the year. But I, I think Chad Morris, squad pulls it out. Yeah, so Nick and I saw Allen a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my takeaways were that that was the least imposing Allen team that they've had probably in 15 to 16 years um, since this whole kind of run started getting going in the 2000s. With that said, they're still Allen. They've got, you know, some top-tier talent. And you've got a team like Lil Elm who was 2-8 a year ago and a little bit of a laughingstock in their district. Um they're kind of like Summer Creek in this way, that this is a prove-it game for them. They had a prove-it game last week against Denton Braswell, and they got beat by 21 and let up 63 points. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that happens again this week, uh, but I do think guys like Jalen Jenkins, who I'm a big fan of from Allen, um, guy that can just get up and go up the field out of the backfield for the Eagles, could be difference makers. Um and so with that, I just feel more comfortable going with Allen here. In fact, I actually think it might be a fairly easy pick. Uh, so, again, we're in lockstep. I'm going to go with the Eagles. Which then moves us to our uh, quote-unquote small game of the week. Um, I think it's a pretty fun one and one that uh, I know Nick and I would be pretty excited about. As we go to Willis Field in Italy, Texas, Mike. That's right. I got that right. Um, 7 p.m. Friday as the Marlin Bulldogs, who are 3-2. and two. Uh, travel to face the Italy Gladiators, who are three and two as well. Uh, this is the first week of district play in eight, uh, eight two AD one, and the Gladiators lost last week to Mark forty seven, which was actually a division below them. Um, but anyway, Italy's uh, the home team here, and they were a playoff team a year ago that went ten and two. So, with those notes in mind, I'll let y'all take over. Uh, guy, which one before we get to this one? Which is our double down game? Um, so do we are we all going to be on the same page with that one, or? Well, I, I think you just pick a game to double on, and you could choose sure. if you double or not. Okay. Um, let's go with the Highland Park game. I feel like that's <laughs> the most gridlock game where there could be some uh, some drama. Uh, so let's yeah. I think I'll. I think I. I will choose not as the guy in the lead. Will choose not to double down. I definitely will. You will double. I will for sure. Nick's playing uh, the numbers. He's playing the numbers. It's all good. I mean, I've got to catch up. But last time I doubled down, it burned me. Um, 
Hmm. You know, I'm go ahead. Give that a I'm, well, I believe in my scouts, so let's. I'm gonna double down. Why not? Scouts find a way. Find you know, a they'll find a way for you to get two points out of that. All right, back to Marlon Italy. Um, I this was actually I know that you chided me because I am big school Mike a lot of the time. I am a big school bully, uh, but this was actually a game, believe it or not, that was until a couple weeks ago on my schedule to go to. Um, Marlon, of course, home to Jure Bledsoe, the Texas commit who is not playing this year, uh, but also Darian Gullett, who to Texas is after the 2023 class. Italy, not that far from me down here in the uh, southern, uh, southwest part of the Metroplex. Uh, not, not a bad trip over there to the Coliseum to see the Gladiators, where I've been many times. I've seen history made there by the Maypearl Panthers as well. Um, so... I, as much as I love the Italy Gladiators and one of my favorite small school teams, I think Marlon's just got the talent. Um, I will take Marlon, uh, the Bulldogs, in a victory. Uh, I love Marlon. They, uh, the, their staff has been great to me. New head coach Ruben Torres is doing great things there. Um, and uh, their recruiting coordinator, Charles Hitchens, has always been fantastic to me. And, you know, allowing me to come out whenever I want and see their guys. And, uh, you know, when the Dre Bledsoe commitment went down, um, the, uh, that staff was um, very helpful in, in me getting what I needed and making sure all, all of our readers got what they needed. Um, and they have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. We could talk about Darian Golet. He's, he's that guy on both sides of the ball playing at a, a receiver and uh, at, as an edge linebacker type guy. Uh, he set a uh, school record for receiving yards in a game earlier this season with, I believe it was in the 283 range. I mean, he's been going off as a receiver too. Um, but uh, Mike, guess what? I, uh, I just finished the Sopranos last week <laughs> and uh, I saw the Sopranos movie. Um, so, you know, big Which Italian vibes for me right now. I have not watched yet. So, Oh, it's fantastic. Any Sopranos fans out there, get out and watch that movie. Um, and we'll have to get into that next week. But, um, you know, I'm really feeling the gabagool right now. So we're going with Italy. <laughs> the gabagool. <laughs> I'm not really sure what to think of this game. Uh, Marlon's probably got the more top-end talent, as Mike said. Uh, but Italy might actually be the better high school football team. Um, I was originally going to keep that 10-2 and two note from last year to myself. Uh, but I decided to throw that out there to see what y'all would think of that ahead of time in the little game note. Um, because I think Italy as a program is a little further along than Marlon is. Ruben Torres over at, at Marlon is building something, um, and I think that's impressive. I think they're kind of a trendy hipster pick, uh, big picture for 2AD1 football this season. Uh, but I still do think you know, Italy, I think, returns like 13 of their 22 starters from last year. And the nucleus of that is their productive guys. Uh, so I, I think I'm actually going to roll with Nick here and go with the Gladiators. I think Marlon has the more top-end talent. Maybe if Jure Bledsoe was playing right now, I would feel more uh, comfortable with them. But I, I'm going to go with the team that's got a little bit more, um, I guess, staying power from last year and go with Italy and, and match with Nick there, which will actually finish off our five picks for the week. All right, before guy, before we get you out of here, before we end the show, um, we always do our, uh, our our weekly coverage preview of where we're going this week and, what, and who we saw last week as well. Um, so, guy, we'll start with you. Who did you get to see last week? I know you uh, you were out for one for me. 
um, and, and got us some some work done at, at Garland. Uh, so you can mm-hmm. talk about that, talk about your Friday night and where you're planning to be this week. Yeah, so last Thursday, uh, myself and, and Colin Kennedy, who's with uh, the Oklahoma site, uh, we went out to Williams State Stadium there in Garland, saw a Garland High host, uh, crosstown rival in Garland Lakeview Centennial. I uh, got to see eyes for the first time on guys like Jordan Hudson, Chase Biddle, um, Sergio Perez, uh, and, and a whole, you know Aaron King, another one of our guys. Uh, so Garland ended up winning big. I uh, got to speak with Jordan after the game, get some scoop from him, and, and give that off to you, Mike. Uh, so that's always fun talking to guys like that, and Jordan's always been a kid that's treated me well in the past and obviously a top-end talent. Uh, and then Friday night last week, went out and saw – Actually, what was one of the bigger games in the state from a high school football standpoint as uh, Melissa hosted Argyle in a top 10 matchup. And in the end, Melissa shocked the world and upset Argyle and broke all sorts of records that Argyle, Argyle had rolling for the last you know 10 to 15 years and uh, district records and, and streaks that they had going. So uh, with that, got to see Trevor Gooseby, who's an offensive tackle at Melissa, who's actually a family friend of mine. Uh, but that's starting to feel or, uh, you know, hear some attention uh, from some actual power five schools. Uh, I know Baylor reached out to him last week and supposedly A&M has well, as well. Uh, no offers yet, but he's starting to pick up attention. He's a uh, tall, long offensive lineman that only weighs about 245, 250. But if you can add weight onto that frame, he's got really quiet feet and has a chance to have a really high future. Uh, he's a 23 kid. They had several other kids as well that I could, I could dive into, uh, but one that I'll highlight real quick and then I'll let y'all take over was Nigel Smith in the 24 class, uh, defense alignment that uh, absolutely wreaked all sorts of havoc on uh, what is a pretty, you know, actually talented Argyle offensive line. Um, he's pretty raw, but has a good feel for the game early on in his prep career. Um, I, I think he was actually in College Station last weekend. Uh, or might be this weekend, one or two. But he's a guy to keep an eye on. I know Nick thinks highly of him. I think you do as well, Mike. Uh, but he actually had one of the better uh, impressive games I've seen all year. And then quickly I'll jump uh, to this week. Thursday, I think you and uh, I, or Mike, you and I are going to go to Frisco uh, to watch the Red River Celebrity Softball game uh, and do a little behind-the-scenes stuff for, for your purposes, and I'll just kind of tag along. Uh, and then Friday, Colin Kennedy and I are going to join each other again over at Highlander right down the street. Top five game in the state. Can't pass that up. And I also actually have a um, little bit of a tradition. If Highland Park plays a home game on Red River weekend, I always go to that game uh, and then wake up Saturday morning and head on over to the Cotton Bowl. So that's a tradition of mine, and it's a good one this year. Can't pass it up. All right, before I move on to Nick, um, actually, you know what? Nick, do yours. I'll do mine, and then I'll I'll wrap up with Guy as we wrap up the show. There will be just a note. There is not going to be a mailbag this week. Um, we'll get it back up next week and figure that part out. Just a lot of moving parts with trying to get the show up on YouTube. So no uh, mailbag for this week. But uh, Nick, go ahead with yours. Yeah, absolutely. Last week I uh, made the trip out to California, and uh, there were issues all the way around from even before I flew out. Um, the, the day before I flew out, I 
found out that the game that I was going to see got canceled because of COVID. It was going to be a, uh, between Sarah and uh, Bishop Alamany, Sarah having Malik Murphy and Roderick Pleasant, um, and then Sarah having Larry Turner Gooden. You know, all three of those guys are guys that Texas is uh, either have committed or they're heavily interested in. And uh, that game was canceled for COVID on Sarah uh, Sarah's part. Found that out the day before I flew out. So I uh, arranged a, a meeting to go out to Bishop Alamany and meet with uh, Larry Turner Gooden, um, you know, to, to get content for, for him. And uh, pulled up to the school and um, Larry has hurt his shoulder and he was not at practice. And so I missed out on that as well. Uh, it was a, you know, quite an expensive Uber ride that I paid to get all the way out there. But, you know, it, it's, there's a lot of trial and error. Everything is not beautiful in our business, even though sometimes it may seem like it. And that was definitely one of the more frustrating things I've dealt with this year. But nevertheless, I was able to get content while I was out in California. On Friday night, I went out to uh, uh, Birmingham High School in Lake Balboa to see a four-star athlete, Arliss Boardingham who is on Texas's board and somebody that Texas is keeping warm right now and staying engaged with uh, courtesy of tight ends coach, Jeff Banks. Um, but maybe not somebody that they're, you know, really going after too heavily right now. I will say that uh, the, their number one target on the, at the tight end position, Jaleel Skinner will be making his commitment uh, today as you're listening to this on Friday. And at this point in time on Tuesday, October 5th, we do not expect that to be Texas. If it's not, I'm curious to see if Texas really starts to apply the pressure on Boardingham. You know, this is a kid that's had a really strong senior season. He's done, you know, really great things for Birmingham on both sides of the ball, so much so that he's getting recruited on both sides of the ball. He just got a U.S. See offer last week as an outside linebacker. You know, I think that's something that's really intriguing. Um, you know, given kind of Texas uh, linebacker, uh, you know, picture as well. Um, this is definitely a guy to keep in mind moving forward. I think if Texas really pushes here, that, that he could end up in the class. And uh, you know, after talking to him last week, I, I still feel the same way. Um, and then moving forward to this week on Thursday night, I'll be making the trip down to Nick Harris County, as Guy likes to say, to see uh, Willis and the Woodlands. Those are uh, a game between two 2024 quarterbacks that I'm really interested in seeing. Uh, before the season started, I had a, you know, a couple of games that I was really excited about. A couple of them I wasn't able to make, uh, but this one I will be able to make. Um, uh, Willis has 2024 quarterback DJ Lagway, uh, who has picked up some you know, big early offers, Texas A&M being one of them. Um, he's a you know big prospect, six four, six five. Me and Mike both saw him in person when he came to the Texas Junior Day uh, back in uh, back in June. And I remember Mike turning to me and going, "Who the hell is that kid?" And I said, "That's DJ Ladway. He looks really good." That was the first time either of us had seen him in person. Um, and so yeah, I'm excited to see him in a game setting against 2024 quarterback Mabry Matower. Uh, who is also tall in his own right, six foot six, picked up early offers from LSU, Florida, Miami, among others. Uh, you know, that's a, that's a kid that a lot of people in the state of Texas are high on. I'm very curious to see him in pads for the first time to get my take. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see that game between two of the, you know, better sophomore passers that we have here in the state of Texas. And then on Friday, as we mentioned a little bit earlier, Little Elm and Allen, I will be at Allen Eagle Stadium for the first time in a long time to see uh, four-star Ohio State commit uh, Terrence Brooks, who is still in communication with Texas. We'll get, you know, more on that after the game. And then also five-star defensive lineman DJ Hicks in the 2023 class. And uh, uh, Nito Yumeazulu, I believe he will be back in action this week. He was uh, wrapped up in a sling when we saw him against Legacy. So hopefully he's back in action this week and we get to see him play. All right. Um, 
I only got to go to one game last week. A uh, guy thankfully covered my my ground at, at Garland on Thursday. Um, had some personal things. It's been a rough year for your boy. Uh, the wife breaking her ankle and just all sorts of things going on. And, you know, I, I can't say enough. Nick's kind of emergence on our site has allowed me to just take a step back a little bit at times and not feel like I need to be all over the place and everywhere and, and really stressing myself. So I just made the decision to cancel that game and take care of some personal stuff. And uh, so guy, a guy handled it for me on Thursday. I appreciate that. Friday night, uh, a small victory in my battle with frisco isd i did get onto the field for frisco isd i'm not going to tell anybody how i did it um i was on the field for pre and post to see cole hudson it was supposed to be the cole hudson versus evan stewart game uh, but evan stewart opted out of the season the week before so i uh, didn't get to see him cole hudson was tremendous i mean as nasty of an offensive lineman as you can imagine out there i've, I've i had a video reel up on horns 24 7 that we shot of highlights of the game he is a guy that if he gets his hands on you he will put you on your back and then he will follow you down to the ground and lay on top of you um until the play is over there's one play where he gets out in it's like the first highlight i shot of him he gets out in space and just destroys a linebacker and like a safety's coming up to fill and the safety's like five seven five eight and they blow the whistle just before Cole makes contact, and so Cole holds up. But you can see, you can see a little pee dribble out of the uh, of the safety <laughs> as he kind of flinches for the hit. So um, it was fun seeing him. Uh, Scott Hudson, his dad, uh, spent time with with his mom and his dad both, um, and their family during the game was was a lot of fun. So um, shout out to me for getting into a Frisco ISD game, anyways. And uh, shout out to to Cole for always being so cool. Uh, this week, no Thursday night game again. As Guy said, he and I are going to the Texas OU alumni softball game. Um, a cool opportunity that was presented to me uh, a couple weeks ago. And so when I told Guy about it, he said he'd be all in for that. So I got us uh, got us in, and, and we're going to go uh, have some fun with the boys. And then Friday, I am uh, I'm on a plane again. I'm headed out of the state. I'm going to spend this maybe the first Red River weekend I've ever been out of state, but I will be in New Orleans Friday night to see Arch Manning and uh, Isidore Newman. While I'm there, I'm also going to try to see Shaz Preston Friday uh, afternoon. And then Saturday, uh, a big one for you boys, Warren Easton versus Edna Carr Saturday night in New Orleans to see Ronald Lewis, the Texas DB commit. Going to be a big weekend down on the bayou, so I knew you guys would like that uh, that last one. Well, that's a very yeah. on-brand game for Guy right there. So. <laughs> Guy, Absolutely. I'll make sure to get some videos of the uh, the bands for both of those games. I'm sure. Fifth quarter guy. I'm sure they're electric. Yeah, fifth quarter guy in the house. All right, we're going to get out of here in just a second. Before we do, Guy, it's, it's Texas OU week. It is what you call the greatest week of the year. Yeah. Um, you go every year. You are a season ticket holder to Texas games. For those who don't know, you go to – a lot of away games. You were sitting yep. near near the atmosphere in TCU. Um, you were you were technically in the building, but you were up there. Uh, yep. Which, by the way, guy called and offered me a ticket, and then I saw his seat on Twitter and was like, "Man, yeah, I, that's the last time I'm going to probably order tickets through uh, the school. Uh, I'll probably just stubhub it from now on." It actually was a great view, and I was on the very top row, so I got to stand the entire time, but. Uh, I think Mike, you probably made the right call and just stayed home and watched that, you know, on, on TV. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. So, guy, I want you to talk to us a little bit about why you love the Red River Shootout so much, but more specifically, what is the Guy Frazier routine 
when the gates open at Fair Park? Do you, are you a corn dog first thing in the morning guy? Like, I, I don't think you're, I, you don't strike, you're a very healthy eater and guy. I've never seen you in my life drink a drop of alcohol. I don't know if you do or not, but are you a wax cup beer guy? Um, I, I might be on that day. I don't drink a ton. I drink when, uh, you know, a celebratory purpose is there. Um, but I, yeah, this is my favorite week of the year. I often compare it to Christmas. Um, my birthday's here in a couple of weeks, so it's just kind of a cool time. But, uh, like you said, Mike, I'm a season ticket holder down in, in Austin, but I'm a big city of Dallas guy. Family's been here for a long, long time. Um, so the state fair and just everything that kind of goes on with the city during this uh, week and in the second week of October, typically, uh, is really special to me. And then, yes, I'm a Texas fan, but I've always had a really healthy respect for Oklahoma. So when those two meet in the Cotton Bowl, which I think is a really special venue, I just think it's an awesome day. I don't mind it being 11 o'clock. I think that's what it should be. Every year. Um, every year. And I, I think it's it's just perfect the way it is. As far as my routine, um, you know, I, if you saw my tangent on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, I was telling people what they should do. I think you got to get there early, get there at 8 o'clock, 8.30. Um, I think the, the gates may be open sometime around then, maybe even a little bit before. But you get there early. You get should far. they should they take the dart train? They should not take the dart train. Um, <laughs> people who take that and ask me if that's the way to do it, I often go, "You must be new here." So um, I think my my mother and a couple other family members did it the first time. That was like an option, like in 2006 or 2007 for the game, and that's when the the Train cars got like bogged down on the tracks because they were so heavy, uh, and it was a mess. My mom was late to the game because of it. Other family members were. So that's just something I, I steer clear of. As far as when I get there, I am a big corn dog guy, uh, but we actually are connected family-wise with uh, Jack's French Fries, which is a big little uh, hamburger fry stand right there in front of the entrance of the Cotton Bowl. This is very triple fate guy energy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. And, I'm <laughs> yeah, so we're actually related to uh, that side of the family. Um, that's like our East Dallas roots, I believe, a little bit. And so, long story short, we always go to Jack's Fries. It's right there in front of the entrance and uh, pound down a big cup of fries and, you know, whatever refreshment you want at that time of the morning. Uh, and then just like home games in Austin, I like to get inside the stadium an hour before. You know, watch a little warm up. I get made fun of that all the time, but that's just kind of what I like to do. I like to get my uh, base and kind of get get the scenery in and, and kind of get my my bearings a little bit. So that's what I do pregame. Uh, I'm a different animal on that day, uh, so I'm obviously really amped for and excited. I think it's going to be a really good game this year. So, are you a post game go to the fair guy, or is that only in like a victory or what? No, I'll do that most. Uh, we'll always try to make it out to another uh, day for the fair. But just in case we don't, because um, we usually go as a family. We have a lot of people here in the Highland Park area. So if we don't, I always like to go anyway after the game, regardless uh, of the outcome, just because I, I got to go try all the food just in case I don't get another opportunity to. So it's always much better when it's a bunch of Texas people around. But either way, you'll see me out there after the game. So I will say I will be at the fair all day Saturday if you'll see me. Say what's up. Nick will be wearing all black and a hoodie, if even if it's 100 degrees. So, <laughs> And uh, a quick, quick uh, 
this is my bad. My mother's texting me from the other side of the house right now saying, it's not Jack's, it's Burt's Burgers and Fries. Oh, oh, oh. wow. Uh, Susie Frazier coming with down the It's very embarrassing. Uh, that's always been something she's gotten a little more excited over, but it is good French fries and burgers. So, yeah, Burt's oh. Burgers and Fries. My, my apologies to that, that side of the family. Like, they're if very you're... It's not people I've ever uh i've never you know met them it's it's b-e-r-t-s taylor i don't know if that really matters in the end but that's on me i messed that up but uh yeah triple fake guy coming out right now so yeah that's that's tough shout out shout out to guy's mom who if you meet guy his mom will probably be with him and she is an a plus five star human being so say hi to both of them you can hang all right guy i appreciate you coming on we'll do this again next week um nick Great to see you as well. Taylor Estes has been massive in getting this thing online and putting all these uh, captions in and doing all the stuff and, and helping us get this thing to a video podcast. So we hope you guys like it. If you do like it, subscribe to the YouTube channel, set your notifications, do all those great things. You can get the other great podcasts on our Horns 24-7 network, the flagship with Taylor and Chip Brown, and then the uh, the Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rob Babers. We hope you guys have a great week. Hope it's a great Texas OU weekend. Uh, for Nick Harris and Guy Frazier, I'm Mike Roach, and we'll see you next week. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars, new season now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.